We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay with me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas of Nets Republic. Justin, sadly, the Nets fall to the Cavs 114 107. How are we doing? Uh, doing okay, I guess. I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I, I feel like my record when coming on to the Brooklyn Buzz is just not good right now. I feel like I only have one win in like the five or six appearances I've had on the season. Like, this is bad. Yeah, it's been tough. You know, we'd like to be talking about close wins instead of close losses. And this felt like a game that the Nets probably could have won. Obviously, no Kevin Durant, missing uh, DeAndre Bembry, Nick Claxton, you know, Joe Harris still out, uh, James Johnson, Paul Millsap. So they're missing some bodies. But the Cavs also without, you know, Colin Sexton, Ricky Rubio for the season. They're missing some guys, too. It was a good game. And the Cavs were just a better team in the fourth quarter. And we're going to jump to that and plenty more. But find the buzz on all streaming platforms. And Justin, getting to that fourth quarter. Nets lost a quarter 27 to 19 and shot two of 13 to end that quarter. What was your initial thoughts on that final couple minutes from this team? I mean, it was just rough. I mean, it was, you know, some shaky offensive possessions, but just, some, you know, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in the basket. I mean, we perfect example of that is the LaMarcus Aldridge, the two yep. missed shots at the rim. I mean, how many times is LaMarcus Aldridge going to miss two point blank uh, opportunities like that? And then even later in the quarter, the Kyrie uh, free throws would have ensued, but I mean, if that goes in, we might be talking about a different ball game. So, I mean, just a bit, a bit of rough luck, especially for how they finished the third quarter and started the fourth. I mean, that's just sometimes how basketball is. Yeah, obviously, uh, Darius Garland got injured in that third quarter, and the Nets kind of went on a run when he came out of the game. He came back in that fourth quarter. He was cooking. Nets really didn't have an answer for him in that pick-and-roll defense. You know, obviously, no Nick Claxton, so they weren't able to switch. Went to a lot of drop coverage, something that I feel like Garland excels in. Even in the earlier matchup we saw against the Cavs this season, he's able to get those pull-up shots. They have a ton of lob threats with, you know, Jared Allen or Mobley at the rim, and then also Lori Marketing gives him a little bit of spacing. And the Nets were a little late on some of those rotations, but like you mentioned it was more so the offense two of 13 to finish the quarter and LaMarcus those 
those two layups, like you said, those were tough because like, yeah, you missed the first one. You're rushed a little bit. But the second one was just like, God damn, like just drop the ball in the hoop or throw down a dunk or something. And then we had Kyrie miss a layup that he makes probably nine times out of 10 on that little turnaround on uh, Isaac Okoro. And then even the three that he took, like how many times did that hit the rim? That's like the second or third time that's happened to Kyrie since he's been back. And overall, I think the possessions just got a little stagnant, especially that one with James Harden where the Nets were down three, still had a chance to tie probably should have just taken the ball to the rim and got the two points against Laurie Markin. And you could tell that he was playing that three point line kind of crowded him, forced a bad pass to Kyrie turnover games, essentially over. So I felt like it was a pretty good example for what happened in the first half of this game, that fourth quarter, the nets were just not making those little detailed plays, not executing, not finishing. And the Cavs were just able to capitalize and credit them because they're a good basketball team. And it's not a terrible loss. It just feels bad because there was a lot of missed opportunities in this one where the Nets probably could have won, even as simple as James Harden knocking down more free throws, you know, five missed free throws in this game. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely the Harden uh, free throw woes. I mean, I know we saw it a little bit in the beginning of the season. Uh, he's been better. I think I need I need to definitely jinx him because during, what, <laughs> the, the Taco Bell, whatever stat he was talking about, like how, yeah, the Nets are a, a top free throw shooting team and it helps me have Kevin Durant and James Harden and Harden misses two straight. And then obviously, like you said, five. You know, like you said, in, in terms of attention to details on that hardened play where he ends up turning the ball over late in the game. Well, I believe the Nets had two timeouts yeah. uh, in their back pocket. And, you know, shades of Chris Weber, uh, I guess, with Harden going down the uh, the sidelines. But, yeah. you know, that's just one of those instances where, you know what, maybe just a brain lapse from Harden. He's, he's kind of he's kind of trapped. I think he wanted to shoot the three, like just yeah. come down in full. Uh, once that wasn't there, it looked like he kind of panicked, tried to get it to Kyrie on the outlet. But it, that's one of those times where either he's got to know be better, or even just Steve Nash kind of getting a sense and running down the sideline to get get that timeout. Yeah, and obviously not you know making excuses for the guys, but I think even in a situation where they have more reps than that, you know Kyrie and Harden, they played you know a few games this season, haven't really logged many clutch minutes this year. Obviously last year played a ton, so just not being fully in sync. And even today, you know there was probably a lot of lineups that haven't seen more than you know five to ten minutes on the floor together. Just some really interesting combinations. You know Blake Griffin and Dayron Sharp sharing the floor at different points. You know we had I think a Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, like Kessler Edwards lineup at you know at points in this game and just trying to find a rhythm and trying to find the balance of defense and offense. I feel like they missed DeAndre Bembry in this game too, just given he'd be a guy that you'd love to throw on Darius Garland. And I think offensively, he's been probably more effective than Bruce Brown over the course of the last month, and he could find a way to have an impact. And I also thought... I would have loved for the Nets to get more transition opportunities in this game, especially in the second half. I felt like in the first half, we saw them kind of get some of those easy opportunities because, you know, the Cavs were playing so big. You know, you're playing Jared Allen, you're playing Evan Mobley, you're playing Laurie Marketing, and then you're even playing Kevin Love. So you're playing four bigs in there. None of them really super fit. You know, obviously Jared Allen, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley can run the floor, but every possession trying to kind of push those guys, I think would have been something I'd like to capitalize on more, especially with the Nets going with multiple guard lineups at different points in this game. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's one of the things that you, know, so you saw the Nets uh, be successful with in that first quarter was getting out in transition. Patty hit uh, two threes in transition. Yep. Kessler Edwards got a transition three. You know, and like I said, you know, a few pods back, you know, when you have Kyrie Irving, you know, you're liable, any defensive rebound that he gets a hold of, you're liable for a transition bucket. Um, I did notice a downtick in transition possessions uh, in that second half, and even sometimes the rare ones that we did get. I mean, I know we had the Cam Thomas uh, offensive foul. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, th I thought that was definitely one of the things that was a difference maker uh, from the first half uh, for the next offense uh, than in the second half. So, 
Yeah, you I was mentioned just... the turnovers too. Just a quick note, uh, Justin. Like you had yeah. the Cam Thomas turnover there, and then you had the James Harden charge call in the backcourt, which was probably a flop. But it felt like those two turnovers were pretty crucial in that fourth quarter in terms of just allowing the Nets to build a little bit more of a cushion or just getting those three two points. And then even you know looking back to the third where uh, Kyrie got called for that clear path foul. It's just like those little mistakes and those little points and games against good teams because I think the Cavs are a good team. You just can't have those, and that's things that you just need to clean up. Obviously, you're never going to play a perfect game, but just having numerous errors, even small ones, are just going to lead to a downfall when you only lose by a few possessions. Yeah, no, definitely. And especially it hurts when the Cavs weren't playing that clean of a game themselves. You know, they had a yep. lot of turnovers. I think at one point they the Nets had like a plus five turnover advantage through the game. You know, I yep. thought their small ball lineup did a great job, especially in that first quarter of getting hands and passing lanes getting out in transition and you know force the that you know that 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 big Lori Markin and Evan Mobley Jared Allen lineup to put the ball on the floor make yep. them handle the ball because you know it slouches when it comes to you know ball handling but they're obviously not as skilled as like you know some of the other guys in the league um so I thought that was good but other than that yeah it's just just, just the small things that that that, that really trip you up yeah I would have liked Obviously, I know it's probably tougher given some of the limitations of who was available today, but some type of strategy to force the ball out of Darius Garland's hands and force someone else to create offensive possessions. You know, like you said, Lori Marketing, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Isaac Okoro, you know, even Kevin Love, Jetty Osman, you know, Goodwin, Windler, like none of these guys are really ISO scorers. They're not really self-creators. So that's where it's just like, that's why I felt like the Nets had so much success when Garland was off the floor because he was really the engine for this team and he was able to get what he wanted shot-wise or if not, set another player up. And he played really well. Like he's just a good point guard, but this is also something the Nets need to be able to deal with because this easily could be, you know, a first or second round matchup yeah. given how the Cavs are playing. And, you know, it looks like they're going to be in the playoffs and obviously it looks like the Nets are going to be in the playoffs. So trying to find answers and adjustments. And like I mentioned, you know, having a Nick Claxton, a Bembry, you know, even just the option to go to a James Johnson or a Paul Millsap, just having some different looks wasn't an option for uh, Steve Nash tonight. Yeah, no, I feel like I had a, a hand in two camps because I have Darius Garland on my fantasy team. <laughs> like every, every time he did something good, I'm like, all right, that's great. But also at the same time, this is kind of bad for the Nets. Um, but no, like you said, Garland was the engine that that, uh, that drove Cleveland tonight. I mean, I, I, I can't remember any other player um, on, the, on, on the Cavs that actually got a bucket that wasn't due to an assist. I think a lot of their points, especially their three-point shooting, was all off of just spot-up looks, you know. Garland penetrating, you know, swing pass, swing pass. Um, I know they had a huge Lori Markin in three from the, the wing with like three minutes left, which I thought was was crucial. I was texting my group chat and I was like, you know what, Lori, this was in like the third quarter. I'm like, Lori feels like he's going to hit a dagger three at some point yep. uh, today. And it kind of happened. So, yeah, I thought the Nets are definitely missing a, a, a Bembry type. You know, you thought Bruce could keep up with him. It, he failed the Garland experience. Um, you know, it wasn't a great game for Bruce, and you kind of saw it, especially in that fourth quarter when Kyrie went on, on on the bench. Garland was just getting whatever he wanted, you know, and yep. Bruce was just being, you know, being toyed with, and it kind of felt bad, but it was like, who else can you go at him? Yeah, 
and even at different points, it was like Cam, and then like Kess had some okay possessions. But Garland, you know, just a good player, able to break guys down off the dribble. And like I said, in a different situation, maybe the Nets switch here. Maybe they feel different having Kevin Durant, and they can blitz the ball handler in the, in the pick and roll. But, you know, a little limited, not necessarily the best defensive guys, because like we've talked about in the past, it was kind of finding that balance of offense and defense. And I think always the Nets are going to try to lean offensively a little bit more moving forward, especially when they have Kyrie. But it's going to be guys, you know, stepping up. And I think defensive communication this game at points was good. And then other points, it was pretty bad. And the Cavs were just running what felt like a million off ball screens that just resulted in somebody either getting an open three or even sometimes just an open layup under the rim. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they ran uh, a particular, I think it was a, a dummy screen like down low for marketing multiple times yep. throughout the game. And he had the same exact look on the, on that right wing, like it was, or it was either the right wing or the corner, either one, he was getting open looks. Um, I mean, I think the one play that stands out in, I, in everybody's mind is that last dunk by Okoro where the Nets are getting back in transition. Everybody just loses him. Yeah. I don't know what happened, especially because LaMarcus is the last line of defense. And, you know, as, as your job is the, especially a big man, you just, just run back to the basket, right? You're not supposed yep. to let anybody behind you. He had no idea that Okoro was streaking up the sideline. So, yeah, there was quite a few miscommunications. I saw Kyrie get lost on defense a few times, some lazy closeouts. Uh, James Harden let Laurie Markkinen go by him uh, once in that fourth quarter, which was like, James, you're a guard. Like, there's no reason why a seven-footer should be driving past you like that. You know, slide yeah. your feet, get in position. So, yeah, no, these are just things that the Nets are going to have to clean up. Um, you know, it is it is what it is. I'm not saying that they're supposed to be like, you know, the Knicks from last year with, you know, their defense, but just a little bit more attentiveness on D kind of uh, helps. Yeah, I thought Harden was pretty rough in this game. He was overhelping. Like, obviously, his post defense in different possessions was great, especially against Mobley, but he was on Laurie a lot of the time. And it's not like you're chasing down Darius Garland. You're chasing down Laurie Marketing, who's not a terrible athlete, but James Harden should be able to keep up with him athletically and kind of close out some of those threes. And like you said, getting beat off the dribble just can't happen. Even like some of the possessions where they got the pass they wanted to. They got the pass to Isaac Okoro in the corner. And, you know, you want him to take that three, but they allowed him to get off the dribble and get to the rim. That's what he wants to do. That's the only thing he can do. You know, you live with the three-point shot. You live with a pull-up mid-range shot. You don't let him get to the rim. And the Nets allowed that to happen a couple times in that fourth quarter and third quarter. So plenty of things to clean up. And overall, you know, I didn't love LaMarcus subbing in to close the game. I get the idea from Steve Nash, you know, let's try to add some offense. We're kind of struggling on this end, but I think defensively he struggles, especially in that drop, not to say Dayron Sharp was playing well. And maybe this is just a situation where you don't have options to play anybody else to go, you know, super small and play a James Johnson or a Kevin Durant because they're not available. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, Personnel definitely hurt. I, I it was kind of a mixed bag uh, with Lamarcus. I didn't know how to really feel going down the stretch. I understood it from an offensive point, like all right, you know, yep. he, I think he at the time he was like five of six from the field. You know, he was just cashing in on all, all the mid ranges. So it's like okay, yeah, he's gonna provide you a little bit more offensive bump than Dayron Sharp, who was just getting most of his buckets in, in kind of a cleanup role or having to be force fed. Uh, but yeah, like you said on the defensive end, I mean, it's just another example of Lamarcus just being just sought up you know, not sought after, but the the uh, the opposing team is going to go after Lamar because they're going to try and find him. They're going to hunt him yep. uh, with whatever he does. And then even when they're running screens, you know, he gets lost. He's a lumbering big. He's not going to get out to the perimeter enough. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of rough. It's kind of wonky. This this is fixed with Kevin Durant. Obviously, the Nets would probably have gone small with KD at the five uh, to close out that game. 
or some, something similar to what we saw in the Indiana game uh, with having Harden like kind of cement the post. But, you know. Yeah, even clocks in this one might make the difference, you know, because I think, you know, it's not not like the Cleveland bigs are dominating you in the post. I think you can handle Jared Allen. He can handle Mobley. You can handle Laurie Market and Kevin Love. So I think, you know, LaMarcus did the best he could, but like you mentioned, lumbering big that just doesn't really move well. There was one mistake. I think it was either fourth quarter or late in the third where he closed out hard on Kevin Love and he was the last man standing in between him and the rim. And then it just gave up a wide open dunk to somebody. And it's just like, Man, uh, like Kevin Love can shoot in a mid-range jumper. I really don't care. Like if he hits it, he hits it. You know what I mean? It's not like you're giving up a three. So it was just a couple decisions in this game. I wouldn't be surprised, too, if LaMarcus was just a little rusty. You know, obviously first game in, what was it, about a week and a half. So, you know, getting back on the court, kind of getting that conditioning right, playing at a high level, communication, and still, like we mentioned before, an array of different lineups in this game, some different combinations. But talking about the players, Justin, who do you want to start with? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I want to start with Kyrie because okay. Kyrie was in his bag all game. Um, It was just it was just nice to see. I mean, this was arguably. Kyrie's best performance in my mind uh, from start to finish since he's been back with the team, uh, especially in that third quarter where he dropped 14 of his yeah. 27, scored the last seven points for the Nets. I mean, it was, you talk about Kyrie being in his bag. I mean, we were looking at, arguably we were looking at like peak Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, Boston Celtics Kyrie with the amount of moves he was putting on the defenders. I know him and Garland had uh, a nice sequence where Garland yep. basically broke down Kessler Edwards for a basket and then Kyrie immediately the next possession broke down Garland uh, for a fadeaway uh, 15 footer. So it was just a phenomenal game from Kyrie. You know, like I said, a few mistakes on the defensive end, but otherwise I don't think he could have played a better game. Yeah, 27 points, 12 of 23 from the field, three of six from three, seven rebounds, nine assists, one steal, two turnovers. 
super efficient. You know, this is KD level efficiency. We're talking 52% from the field, 50% from three. And there was a lot of just moves in this game. And he hit a couple really tough shots that were contested by multiple players. And I think it's always crazy that Kyrie shoots zero free throws. Like there was numerous occasions where he should have at least got a couple and ones here. But again, happy to see him play at such a high level. And he's just incredibly fun to watch. Like it's it's great to watch Kevin Durant shoot over a million defenders and no one really have a chance. But watching Kyrie just go to work and put an array of moves together, it's like a combination in a fighting game when you have to hit like A, X, B, up, down. You know what I mean? Kyrie has them all like memorized like that one kid that always beats everybody. That's Kyrie Irving when you're in the one on one. See, this is why I don't understand why the, like a lot of these NBA media people are so against Kyrie Irving being in the All-Star game because, you know, not for nothing, I'm not trying to see Fred Van Vliet pick up somebody 94 feet, all right? Yeah. I'm trying to see Kyrie Irving put somebody in the spin cycle and throw up a stupid shot that yep. somehow finds the bottom of the net. Like, he is an absolute delight. You never know what you're you, – like, every game is different. Like, you know what his, his dribble package is. You know what his shot selection is. But every game, it just seems like you see a new Kyrie Irving move when you're like, well, when did he learn that? You know, when, yeah. when was he practicing this? Um, you know, like you said, he did have a few possessions where I thought he got fouled. Uh, there was the one in the fourth quarter where he missed the layup. I'm like, all right, well, if the refs are calling, you know, some soft stuff on the other end, how is Kyrie? Like Kyrie Irving of all people, I think it's yep. one of the worst whistles from for a superstar. Um, but yeah, no, like, like it, it, it was a great game, very efficient. Uh, the Nets needed his scoring punch. You could see the offense looked better when he was on the floor as opposed to when he was off, uh, especially when it was just when it was him and Harden together. So overall, you know, great performance from Kyrie. In plus 14, I think that's the highest of all the Nets tonight, and it really felt that way. And you mentioned just like a different move every game. I remember hearing a Kyrie Irving interview, and it was like, I have a counter for the counter for the counter. Like, there's just like, he has everything prepared. If you reach here, I'm going to this, and then I'm going to that, and I'm going to get to my spots. And it honestly felt like maybe he could have taken more touches in the first half because it felt like, you know, I think he's had maybe around double digits at halftime. Get some more shots up, especially with some of the other guys not really getting going. So, I'm happy to see him play for the next three games. Obviously, four-game road trip. Hopefully, it ends in a win next time. But moving over to James Harden, uh, 22 points, 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 10 of 15 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, 4 turnovers. And like we mentioned, some mad defense in this game. But offensively, he got to the free throw line a lot in that fourth quarter. Yeah, really quick before I get to Harden, I will say the best Kyrie play from today was his spin of assist to LaMarcus Aldridge for the N1. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was absolutely phenomenal, but um, but yeah, for Harden, you know, it was it was a it was an interesting game, you know, yep. per se. Like I, I didn't, I think he was kind of in the mix of if he wanted to really be the offensive catalyst in terms of facilitating, in terms of scoring. You know, you kind of saw bursts where it's like, all right, Harden's getting to the basket, he's scoring, uh, he's got the step back three going, he drew some fouls on those step back threes, especially in the in the uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, but you know, he was also another guy that, that he should have had more free throw attempts, I believe. He, he There was sometimes he went to the basket, and uh, and then in that fourth quarter, that off uh, to me, it was an awful offensive foul call. Yeah. But how good he was on offense, that's how lackluster he was on defense. Um, you know, we're still just trying. We talked about James Harden getting his, uh, you know, consistency on the offensive end, and I think we've got to that level uh, for the most part. Now it's a case of him putting it together on the defensive end, and we're not asking him to be – you know, Kawhi Leonard out there, but at least try. Be more than a cone. 
Like that's pretty yeah. much what it is. Like you need to be more than a practice cone. Like you need to apply, move your feet laterally a little bit because it's constantly like he just gets beat on that one step and it's kind of a bucket. And it's like, no, we're not asking you to lock down Darius Garland. We're just asking you to play mediocre defense on probably a mediocre player in the corner and just do your job out there. So like you said, defensively, he needs to be better. I felt like in this game, the Cavs, had an interesting strategy of putting like bigs on him a lot, but they also have the luxury of playing multiple, you know, seven footers or near seven footers. So now that oop option or that vertical roll option for Dayron Sharp isn't really there because that weak side defender could just come in from the backside and they probably can jump higher than Sharp. So there's just going to be limited in what he can do and options to kind of drop off after the rim. That's why I think we saw a little bit more of the step back. And like you mentioned, he was able to draw some fouls on that, especially in the bigs who just, aren't as coordinated to deal with somebody moving like that. But, you know, overall, like you said, solid offensively, defensively, we just need more, especially when guys are out. Yeah. You know, and it, and it's interesting uh, the Cavs have a very unique, you know, thing about them. You have Jared Allen, you have Evan Moby. They're not lumbering bigs. Like yeah. I think the beauty of their games and that what you can play them together is they can move on the perimeter. You know, it's like Jared Allen stuck with Harden a few times. Evan Mobley stuck with, uh, uh, Harden a few times you know and then like you said on the back end the recovery help there was a there was what two or three times where Daron Sharp got the pass probably from Harden off a of pick and roll and then here comes Jared Allen on the recovery to block his shot you know so I, I, I agree like they Harden did do some things against their bigs but you know credit the Cavaliers for uh you know having the pieces you know like we talked about the Nets not having really the pieces on defense to you know quell Darius Garland things like that but you know credit the Cavs for for sticking to their game plan um, and staying true to who they are. Yeah, and also Daron Sharp just uh, add a pump fake, man. Like all you need is a pump fake, and those probably <laughs> those probably could have been two and one plays, especially you know just knowing you're going against Jared Allen. I think obviously a rookie, you don't have the scouting report. It's like yeah, he's probably going to swat your stuff. Like going to this game, I had a couple parlay bets, and one of them was definitely over for Jared Allen on one point five blocks. It just felt like it was going to be a lock, and he got that on Daron Sharp. It felt like in the first half. So uh, Harden, like we said, you know, solid game from him. Moving to Patty Mills. 11 points, 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 1 rebound, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. Patty felt impactful in the first quarter, but then we really didn't hear from him much rest of the game. And I, I thought he got hurt, to be honest. You yeah. know, like, it just felt like he was not I, – I, I didn't know he was even on the court at, at times in that second half. You know, like you said, he had a, he had 11 points at halftime. And, he and finished that's what he finished with. 11 points. Yeah, so – you know, and he and he was big in that first quarter, especially the first quarter for that knocking on those two transition threes. I know he had a mid-range uh, jump, I think, in the second quarter. So, I don't know. I, I thought that I, I liked the combination of him being inserted into the starting lineup. Um, I just thought we'd get a little bit more. And it probably was due to some of the wonkier lineups we saw in that second half. Yep. Uh, you know, like some Dayron Sharp, Blake Griffin combination, and some LaMarcus Aldridge things where it's like, all right, eh, this isn't really working. The spacing's not really there. But, yeah, Pat, Patty's got to be uh, a little bit more forceful. I'm not saying, like, he needs to be up there chucking shots, but we need to see something from Patty. Let us know you're alive out there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think also he's had, a, I don't want to say a hard time, but he hasn't really found his rhythm yet with the Kyrie and James Harden lineups or just knowing where to kind of take his shots and not take, you know, quote unquote, bad shots. I think the Nets kind of incorporating him into the offense a little more trying to get him looks feels like Patty's played his best basketball with Kevin Durant on the floor. 
You know, it just seems like he has some good chemistry with him. You know, in the past, we've talked about the James Johnson, Blake Griffin dribble handoffs too, kind of just setting up some offense for Patty to get those open threes rather than just, you know, letting it come. Like I think occasionally, especially with Kevin Durant being out, try to set him up, try to get him going because, you know, 15, 20 points from him goes a long way when you're missing Kevin Durant. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I mean, the Nets could have definitely used maybe one or two more patty threes in that second half. Uh, just to just to open up the offense. You know, we talked about how the, the Nets shooting woes down the stretch of that fourth quarter. And then, you know, how many times have we seen Patty Mills hit some big shots yep. down the stretch of games this season? So, you know, it's you're hoping not to say that he's in a slump, you know, because he's, he's been shooting better. Uh, but we just need a more complete effort. We've, we've got one. Cool, we've got two quarters out of the way. You know, let's let's get for Let's go for a third and a fourth. Yep, 100 percent. And then moving to Kessler Edwards, got another start today. Eleven points, four of eight from the field, three of six from three, three rebounds, one block, one turnover. You know, Kess continues to impress. You know, he's been really good. You know, defensively, you mentioned he got beat by Garland, but he's a guy that continues to put effort, fights on the end of the floor, and obviously he knocked down a couple threes too. So how are you feeling about Kessler Edwards? Look, it was I thought it was a rough game for him defensively, but not I think it was just because, you know, the matchup was just bad. I mean, Evan Mobley is arguably gonna be the rookie of the year. There was a few times where Mobley just absolutely, you know, outmuscled him uh into the post. Uh, got some boards over him. And then when he was switched on to Darius Garland, I mean, Darius Garland is is basically is an all-star. You know, yeah. let's, let's be honest. Uh, so that's a tough matchup. He, you know, he he beat Kess off the dribble a few times, caught Kess with some crossovers. Yeah, that but one sequence the thing about was wild. Is, yeah. But the thing about Kessler is, and we saw this in the Chicago game against DeMar DeRozan, he's going to try. And he's not he's not afraid to fail. He's not going to back down. If you cross him over on one possession, he's going to come right back at you. He's going to he's going to D you up again. Um you know, offensively, he had he had a nice stretch in the first quarter. Uh, that pull up over Mobley to get the first basket of the game for yep. the Nets, a transition three. What I like about him is that he's shooting it confidently. You know, as unconfident as Blake is shooting his three, that's how confident Kessler Edwards is shooting his three. And, you know, unfortunately, that last three from the corner, I thought was going in. I was like, all right, my God, this is going to be Kessler Edwards' shining rookie moment. But, unfortunately, it rimmed out. Uh, but, overall, I thought, you know, for what Kessler provided the Nets in terms of of spacing and just effort on defense i thought it was a good game yeah i really like what he's doing i think he continues to impress like i said and i think every game more and more experience going against more and more great nba players is only going to benefit him only thing he really needs to clean up is finishing inside you know obviously had the missed dunk in this one he's had some issues with layups over the last couple of games felt like he was just kind of putting all of that frustration into the dunk and it just ended up at half court so clean that up and we're looking pretty good for kessler edwards but moving over to the other rookie dayron sharp 10 points uh six rebounds two assists two steals one block four turnovers four of eight from the field you know different moments we're good for Dayron Sharp in this game, and then other moments were bad, which you kind of expect from a rookie going against a good center in Jared Allen. Yeah, no, I thought this was a good test for Dayron going up against an all-star center in Jared Allen on the matchups against Evan Mobley as well. Yeah, you saw some good things. I thought one of my favorite moments from uh, Dayron was actually in the first half when he the pass was it was it was lasered into him and then he immediately touched past it i yep. think to blake grin the layup um it, it may not have been blake i'm not sure if it was no it was, it was i, I thought that was, was great the you know, best I, pass i think it was career it was blake okay yeah yeah i mean i've talked about you know on uh, on twitter just you know the surprising 
uh, that, that, that Dayron has. He, he ball moving. We talked about Paul Millsap being a, a connector on yeah. offense, and the, and the offense moves very well through him. I thought Dayron did a good job at, at times being a connector for this team. Um, you know, like you said a little bit earlier, learn to pump fake. That, that, that'll just come, though. Um, there was a few times he went up, I'm like, damn, like, you could just tell Jared Allen was, was just licking his chops, you know, yep. waiting for uh, Dayron to go up. Um, I think the, the, the pick and roll uh, combination between him and Harden has definitely gotten better. We saw a little bit with that, uh, with Kyrie Irving as well. So another good game for uh, Dayron, in my opinion. He just continues to grow. Didn't take a step back, in my opinion, and it's it's, it's looking promising. Yeah, I think the faults he has in this game are things that you kind of expect expect from him, either because of just the skill set he has or just being a rookie. So overall, you know, progress is made for him and Kessler Edwards. It wasn't, you know, perfect game from either guy, but enough promise where you're like, okay, moving forward, you know, these guys can probably stay in the starting lineup or continue to get minutes and be impactful in the rotation. But moving to some of the bench guys, uh, Bruce Brown got some minutes in this game, about 12 minutes two points, one of three from the field, one rebound, one assist, two steals, one turnover, three fouls. Still just feels like Bruce can't really find his rhythm in this rotation at this point in time. Yeah, it was a little bit of a rough game for Bruce. Three fouls in the first half. You know, he's, there, he showed some spurts. I know he had a nice uh, assist to Patty Mills in that first half. Uh, but still just too many hands in the cookie jar type uh, situations. Darius Garland was doing whatever he wanted to him, uh, which is very surprising for Bruce because we've known him as a very staunch perimeter defender. Uh, that floater, although he hit one, just wasn't there for him later in the game, especially during that fourth quarter. He missed one that would have been key for Brooklyn. So, yeah, like you said, he just hasn't found his rhythm. Uh, I don't know what it exactly is. Maybe he is just very a niche player that you only play in niche lineups. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't the best performance from Bruce, all, all things considered. Yeah, I thought, like, there was a couple of good hustle plays in the first half, but it's just, like, that's not enough right now. You know, when you're putting out the superstar lineup of Kyrie, KD, James Harden, and then Joe Harris is your fourth option, and then Bruce Brown's your fifth option, getting easy opportunities, taking advantage of advantages or guys in motion, it's just not the case. And like you said, you know, maybe he's just a player that can only fit in certain lineups. We'll see what happens with Bruce. Obviously, been some rumblings about him potentially being involved in trades. But moving over to LaMarcus Aldridge, we talked about him first game back. Uh, 13 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3, 1 of 1 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block, 0 turnovers. You know, I think LaMarcus was good in the role that he was asked to be for a majority of this game. It's just like I think when you ask him to be the closing center, especially against a point guard that's eating in the pick and roll, it's just going to be tough for him to excel. But other than that closing sequence, I thought he was good in this game. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said earlier, uh, after a week and a half, I thought he looked good. I I, I liked the decision uh, of Nash bringing him off the bench yep. uh, with that second unit. I thought he provided a bit of a different look from Dayron uh, as your five. Uh, you know, and then, like you said, in closing lineups, like we've seen him thrive in closing lineups. I mean, the uh, Sixers game way early in the season, we saw how, uh, how key of a role he was uh, to that win. But, you know, to your point, the Sixers don't really have a guy, a point guard that that excels in that mid-range area, uh, you know, to really, you know, burn the nets on the defensive end. So, yeah, you know, you take the good with the bad. You know, it is, it is what it is. I can't really say too many bad things about LaMarcus because he was hitting his shots. Um, so, you know, chalk it up as just about unfortunate circumstances uh, down the stretch. 
Yeah, I think he's solid as a bench big. Like as somebody to come in, play 15 minutes, give you 10 points, couple rebounds, and can hang around defensively. It's just like in some of the other matchups when he's with starters or the Nets are trying to play a certain style, he just doesn't fit. So still a great tool to have on the bench and somebody to kind of lean on in the right situation. But moving to Cam Thomas, six points, uh, 18 minutes, three of four from the field, 0-1 from three, two rebounds, zero assists, one steal, two turnovers, three fouls. You know, Cam had good moments in the third quarter, but to start this game in the first half, he had probably one of his roughest stretches as a rookie. Just a lot of mistakes. I think he committed a foul on a three-point attempt. He also just got lost defensively with the Cavs running 6,000 screens. I think he's another guy that benefits playing with Kevin Durant because KD constantly kind of chirping at him where to go. When he doesn't have that presence, I think defensively, it's a little harder for him to uh, grasp what the Nets are trying to do. Yeah, no, I th- that definitely. I think it was a. Uh, it's almost like the reverse Patty. You know, like Patty was 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 really prevalent in the first half, went ghost in the in the second, and Cam was the same way. You know, like you said, he had the. I thought that was a, it was a terrible foul on on. He was closing out, I believe, Kevin Love from yeah. the corner. They're not going to get there in time. Why are you even? Why are you even getting that close to him? Um, you know, I, I agree with the whole he thrives better with Kevin Durant because KD is definitely like that big brother, that that leader role. You always see Kevin talking to him, either encouraging him or, you know, or getting in his butt about, you know, oh, you should have been here on this rotation yep. or, oh, you should have come and set this pick. Um, Harden but, tries to do it defensively, but yeah. it doesn't hit the same because Harden ain't doing the same shit. <laughs> it's weird because Harden yells at Claxton and it seems to get into Claxton's head, but I don't know. Maybe it's one superstar for each uh, young yeah. guy. I don't know. But... I will say, though, in that third quarter, he definitely made his presence felt uh, with a few key buckets. I'm telling you, he is absolutely automatic. Between 9 and 14 feet, Cam Thomas does not miss a jumper. Contested, uncontested, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, for me, below the elbow, like, I don't, I feel like I don't have many misses in my head, you know, maybe a a floater here or there or something, but that one possession where I think he ended up turning the ball over, the the Nets ended up getting it back, and then he shoots the shot at the end of the shot clock, and it goes in. I feel like that describes who Cam Thomas is, and I think it's just kind of allowing him to excel in that role. Like, he's a good bench player. I think, like we mentioned, Lamarck is a good bench player. When the team is healthy, I think Patty's a good bench player. So you have some major scoring pop coming off your bench when the team is healthy. It's just asking these guys when guys are out to step up a little bit more. And I think all three of them probably could be better defensively. I think out of the three, Patty's the best. He's just undersized with his body type, but he understands what he needs to do. It's Cam, I think experience especially against a team like we said run so many screens or running the dummy screens or doing off ball stuff trying to confuse you and who's going to be most likely to be confused a rookie especially one that's not defensive oriented so good learning experience for cam hopefully kind of grows from this and it can be better moving forward but it's something i kind of expect from cam thomas or any rookie playing big minutes for a star level team but moving over to Blake Griffin, about 17 minutes for him tonight, five points, two of five from the field, one of four from three, three rebounds, three assists, one steal. What do we think of Blake, Justin? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, there was times where I'm just like, okay, good good job, Blake. And then there's other times that I'm just like, I'm pulling my hair out because I'm like, Blake, why are, you, why, why are you even in the game? Why are you even on yep. my team? No way. I thought the two there were two crucial things that Blake did wrong. And I don't know if like it was noticed by a lot of people, but it was the two 
three second violation calls on Dayron Sharp, mm-hmm. all due to the fact that uh, Blake Griffin did not shoot the ball. The first one came in the first half. Blake got the ball at the top of the key, hesitated, then pump faked, drove, kicked it out to Kyrie. Kyrie actually made the shot, but the refs called three seconds. Second half in the fourth quarter, uh, he was playing like pitch and catch with James Harden on the side. Wide open attempt, doesn't take it. Dayron called for another three seconds. And it just kills momentum. Those are unforced turnovers because yeah. it's just to shoot the ball. And I get it. He's, he's, he's not had the best season shooting. We saw an absolutely awful brick on his first three-point attempt uh, yep. this game. But he did make one. So that means, all right, if you make one, I would rather you shoot it and give your team an opportunity to get a rebound, especially with Dayron down there, than to just kind of fumble it and, and do whatever you do on the perimeter. Yeah, uh, Blake obviously doesn't have the confidence, uh, especially like the James Harden pitch and catch one. I can understand a little bit more because like Harden sometimes is a little bit hesitant in what he's trying to do. But the other one where he had the pump fake drive, it just felt like that was teardrop floater. Like it's a shot he can hit. Like he hit that in Detroit. That was something he did. Like pick the shot, see where it goes. If not, you probably have a two on one advantage for the board. So uh, Blake, it's tough. Like you see, like you said, there's good moments where you're like, wow, like, okay, maybe he can get back to being that guy he was last season, at least defensively. And then there's other moments where it's just like, God damn, like maybe this guy just doesn't have enough juice left in the tank because obviously Blake has had a million injuries and his body isn't what it needs to be for him. But sometimes it's just some of the the mental mistakes where you're just like, all right, if you're not there physically, you at least got to be there mentally. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe this is what the, the the Detroit fans were saying. Maybe they were right. Maybe Blake was washed. I don't know. But, um, you know, yeah, like the mental mistakes are also another one, especially because you have a guy that has 10 plus years of experience in the league. You're not expecting him to be making these boneheaded mistakes, these, these, these boneheaded plays. He's supposed to be one of the calming presences on the floor, especially when you're playing, you know, one, two, even three rookies at a time. So, yeah, it's 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 rough. Uh, this is when this was a game. I thought maybe instead of Blake, you could probably uh, well you can't you couldn't have played Paul because Paul's out with uh, you know personal reasons. But you know maybe going down this you know down the stretch when Paul is back, maybe you have to give more looks. But then again, if we're still asking for Paul Millsap looks at in what this is game forty what five ish or something like that. Yep. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, I put out a tweet because I forgot that Paul Millsap wasn't uh, active for this game. Like, I would have probably liked to see maybe some Millsap and Daron minutes. I feel like maybe there's a little bit more to that combination, just given Millsap is still more confident on the floor. Like, that pump fake situation where Daron got called for the three seconds, Millsap takes that teardrop. He takes that floater. Maybe hits it, maybe doesn't, but he definitely takes that shot. And I think defensively they're both kind of rough at this point, but maybe you have more confidence in uh, Millsap's defensive instincts and, you know, fundamentals and what he's been his entire career. But overall, uh, not the best performance from the Nets, but it wasn't the worst thing we ever saw. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they got blown out by OKC or anything along those lines. So it is what it is. Hopefully they bounce back in the next game. I guess, Justin, quickly we can touch on, we got the news about Kevin Durant yesterday, uh, sprained MCL, Based off of the Twitter doctors, it looks like four to six weeks. Um, obviously, we do have All-Star break coming up. What were your thoughts when you heard the news about KD? Uh, just annoyed. I mean, most, I mean, <laughs> first of all, well, I guess first, first off, relieved, right? You know, I'm yeah. just glad that it's not nothing serious, not a tear or anything like that. So, you know, hopefully Kevin gets, ba- uh, you know, back to uh, 100% you know, quickly, but it's just annoying, you know, like as soon as the Nets get some semblance of normalcy back, right? 
we 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 weathered the Kyrie Irving vaccination storm partly, right? We finally got an umbrella. We got some rain boots. We're still in the storm, but at least we're a little bit protected. Kyrie comes back. We're about to, the Nets are about to hit the road for four games. I think they're playing twelve of the next seventeen on the road, so it would have been twelve opportunities to see. Well, at least, well, sorry, eleven because the Nets play in New York. Eleven opportunities to see the big three. People are getting healthy. You might get Joe back for the at the tail end of that, and then a kick in the face. Yeah, and it's just it's just so Brooklyn. It's so Nets. You're like if you if you've been a Nets fan for a while, this is nothing new. You're used to just bad things happening to you all the time. I don't know why Nets fans deserve this. We've done nothing wrong to anybody, like ever. There's only 15 of us. <laughs> so, like, I don't understand why the universe is trying to, uh, you know, rain in our parade. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is extremely frustrating. And, like, the fact is he got injured from another Nets player falling into him. It wasn't like, you know, he jumped up for a layup and sprained his own ankle or something like that. It was, like, literally Bruce Brown commits a foul, tumbles backwards, hits his leg with his head. And next thing you know, you know, sprains his MCL. Luckily, like you said, I was relieved. I mean, I never really thought it was going to be something super serious. It always felt like it was going to be a knee sprain, you know, a month, maybe two months. We obviously know how conservative the Nets are with injuries, but it is frustrating because it just feels like the season where we're never seeing the team together. But hopefully this means that we get to see the team together at the end of the year and in the playoffs when it really matters. That's that's hopefully, you know, the, the half glass full situation here. And then maybe also it's, the basketball gods protecting KD from himself because he was playing a godly amount of minutes at his age coming, obviously the torn Achilles from a few seasons ago. It's just like, all right, maybe this can be a blessing for the nets. I think in the standings they are definitely going to drop a little bit, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter until postseason time, especially with the whole Kyrie Irving home and away thing until we know if he's going to get vaccinated for the postseason. Yeah, no, I think, I think moving forward now, it's kind of a good thing that the nets are going on this kind of, road you know this this long stretch of road games uh because you'll get Kyrie I think where you really get into trouble is when the Nets go home um barring Kyrie getting a, you know a vaccination anytime soon um so how Nash navigates the lineups and things like that to you know get that scoring punch will be very interesting it hasn't been the best performances in the only James Harden led yeah. Nets uh this season but you know we've seen some we've seen some good things too uh not to say that he can't do it but yeah, it's just it just sucks, man. And 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 even in and even in this game, you saw James Harden kind of take that shot to the knee, yep. he grab it, and I'm just like, there's for a second, no it looked like he grabs his hamstring, and I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way they're gonna take James Harden away too. Now, I mean, that's just, I mean, at that point, I'm just, I'm, it's, it's conspiracy theory at that point. Yeah, Adam Silver's upset with the vaccination stuff. He's coming for the Nets. No, um, it, it really was. It was a definitely like, oh, God, I think I tweeted something like, oh, no, because it did look like he grabbed the hamstring. Luckily, it was just kind of a, a knee to the thigh. Never feels great. But overall, just come with the punches. Part of me wonders if maybe the Nets, I don't think maybe even on a trade front or just signing a free agent, a backup point guard just seems like something they could use, especially to prevent James Harden from playing so many minutes because at home, no Kyrie Irving, you're going to ask Patty Mills to run back up and he can't really do that. Cam's been doing it a little bit. It's like they could just use that veteran to come in, set up the offense, make things a little bit easier for guys. I think that's been something I asked for since the beginning of the season. But with the Kevin Durant injury, you were able to cover that up with a big Kevin Durant Band-Aid. Now you don't have that Band-Aid. Maybe it's the right move to just bring in another ball handler, initiator and creator. Yeah, no, we saw last season just how good, um, you know, guys like Landry Shamit 
uh, as a ball handler. Tyler Johnson, especially, yep. I thought worked very well uh, with Kyrie because it allowed Kyrie to play off ball. Um, you know, even Mike James, you know, as, yep. as, you know, big shot Mike James, who was never, did not see a shot he did not like. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets maybe give him a call. I mean, check his back status. I, I know that that's, I think that might have been the reason why the Nets didn't bring back Tyler Johnson, because any other reason why it would make no sense as to why he wouldn't bring back such a vital member of the team. Uh, but yeah, I think either scouring the free agent, you know, barrel, you know, the bargain barrel or at, at, at trade deadline time, maybe make that push for another, uh, you know, ball handler. But definitely the uh, weak spot of this team is at point guard after James Harden. Like, yeah, Kyrie can do it, but that's not Kyrie's best role. You know, Kyrie doesn't thrive in the point guard role. Kyrie thrives in the shooting guard role, which is why after five games last season, he was like, yeah, James, you're the, you're the, you're the point guard, I'm the shooting guard. Yeah, and I think even if it's Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they both do enough where you can manage it. But without having KD out there, it's just like, all right, you know, maybe we're now we're not getting the best of Kyrie. We're, you know, taking away some of his game. And like you said, him playing off ball, I think, was really a nice element for the Nets last season. Justin, anything else you want to touch on for this game? Uh, uh, anything else? I feel like there has to be something I want to touch on. Uh, oh, I did think the, um, the three-point shooting, especially in the first half, was pretty good. And... You know, we're seeing it. Like Kyrie Irving is definitely somebody that helps this team uh, spread the floor. I know he didn't. He didn't. I don't think he had a three in the first quarter. Maybe he did. Uh, just, but just his presence out there, right, and his ability to just attack uh, the basket. The defense has to get sucked in. They have to come off of, uh, you know, the shooters. Uh, I think this is imperative. Nash has to. We've seen it work now for the last since Castle Roberts has been inserted into the starting lineup. We've seen the Nets have an uptick in three point shooting, especially in the the first and second quarters. Uh, it's been a big key of why they started most of the games uh, very well. So I think that's 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 something that also stuck out to me. You know, I think we need more Castle Roberts needs to be in the starting lineup, especially moving forward now, um, just for that extra spacing, uh, that extra you know shot maker especially with him, you know, being so lethal from either the corner or in the, on the, the wing. Yeah, I think that's a great point because you go and watch some of the home games sometimes and you just lose all the spacing. And like you watch the road games with Kyrie, it's like, wow, modern spacing, modern NBA offense. This is what I love to see. You know what I mean? Like you said, they generated 33-point attempts tonight and they went 12 of 30, shot 40%. Not the same as the Nets from last season, but still a lot better than what we've seen from the Nets this season, there's been plenty of games where they've had under 10 attempts and under 25, I mean, under 10 makes and under 25 three-point attempts. So that's an area where they can continue to improve and just generate some of those wide open looks. And that's going to happen when you have a guy who can break down his defender one-on-one -on -one and, you know, kick out for the advantage with Kyrie Irving, or you have a guy like Kyrie Irving who can just take one-on-one -on -one threes or just another option to space the floor. And like you mentioned, Kessler's been part of that. I think what three is six tonight. And he's just a guy that you have to respect out there. And now the Nets go from playing on at least on the road they played a plenty of at least three or four out lineups where at home sometimes they're playing two out three out is like the luxury now we're going back to like normal basketball stuff so trying to find that balance at home is going to be important obviously it's going to change when joe harris is back that's going to be a big factor and obviously i think joe harris's respect level from nets fans has probably gone up the last last couple months obviously postseason is a whole different discussion but i know personally like i love joe but i probably love him a little bit more after watching some of the lineups we saw over the last month or two oh absolutely absolutely and then i guess last thing would you consider i know because since he had been in the starting lineup you know for a little bit would you consider maybe tailing you know scaling back on the bruce brown minutes and 
kind of replacing him with David Duke Jr. I mean, I know Duke Jr. isn't as uh, seasoned as a defender uh, as Bruce, but I just feel like he gives you the same type of energy boost that Bruce can give you, gives you a little bit better rebounding, um, you know, just a little bit more athleticism. You know, he has, he also has a little bit of a problem finishing, but I mean, at this point, is Bruce Brown that much better of an option than David Duke Jr.? I think the real factor for David Duke Jr. is like if he can knock down the three at a relatively consistent rate. You know, Bruce isn't really willing to take them. David Duke, I think in his last game, went three of three. You know, like that's that's something to really consider. I mean, I don't hate the idea. I, I love Bruce Brown and what he did for the Nets last season. He's not really playing well. He's having a problem finding his niche with his team. Maybe try David Duke Jr. a little bit more. I think probably the counter argument would be like, do you want to really play four rookies in your rotation? That kind of gets a little bit more hectic than you get more rookie mistakes. But honestly, I think I would, at this point in time, I would just rather play Bembry and over Bruce Brown, give him all of his minutes and let him go out there and be that non-spacer that is a lockdown defender. And I think his defense is past Bruce's at least over the last couple months of the season. Early on, I think Bruce was the better defender when they weren't really calling a lot of these physicality fouls. But now that they're back to calling the fouls at the same rate they did last season, I think DeAndre Bembry is a little bit better, in my opinion, defensively. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's sad. It's it, sad, I know sad seeing it because we're we're we're, Bruce, we're big Bruce fans, but you know, it's sometimes you know the other option is the better option, uh, and I guess we're seeing that. I know, like you said, his name has been kind of floated around with trade offers. I don't know how big of a market he has because we are seeing, you know, if we see that his his value was kind of tied to specific Nets lineups you know I don't know if any other team kind of values or sees that much value in them but I mean Marks has done more with less I guess uh so maybe it's you know maybe it's a case of just moving uh Bruce for an extra roster spot and just getting you know more draft picks but I guess we'll see when that deadline comes yeah I think just the team in my head that pops up that could make sense would be Atlanta they obviously could use some more defense and they have enough floor spacing where they could get away with having one of these non-spacers on the floor, at least in their bench lineups. If, you know, Capella's on the bench and they're playing John Collins at small ball five or something like that, now you have four out. But I think also because he signed the qualifying offer, Bruce has to okay any trade. So that obviously kind of creates a hiccup. But again, he could just be the filling salary. He has He's a free agent at the end of the year and a team may be looking for some cap relief could be another option for him. It's obviously too getting Bruce to agree to that. But um, quickly before we get out of here, just quick acknowledgement to Martin Luther King Day. Obviously, you know, NBA does a great job putting a slate together, but I think it's important as ever to make sure that, you know, take a moment to acknowledge what Martin Luther King st- stood for and kind of put those beliefs because obviously a lot of those things we're still fighting for in this country. So just... Uh, I don't know if you can see, I have I am wearing my... Uh... Martin Luther King, I'm a dream. That the shoot, remember the shooting shirt that they gave out like three years ago? Yeah. Uh, for the NBA, I got that. They had one. some it's new ones of, today too. They did. No, they they they, they always look good. Uh, the NBA does definitely does a good job of you know incorporating you know Martin Luther King Day, um, you know into their or in, into their season, uh, bringing awareness um, to you know even just the different different social issues they give. Yep. I'm not sure if they it happened in the Nets uh, Cavs game today, but I know in the Celtics game, Jalen Brown address the crowd beforehand, you know, talking about systemic racism and things like that. Uh, so I, it's just good that the NBA gives players the platform to, you know, push, you know, their their thoughts, their ideas and things like that, you know, all in acknowledgement of, you know, Martin Luther King. 
Yeah, I think it's really important that the NBA makes a special event of it. You know what I mean? We get the matinee games like where there is a different focus that, you know, we should acknowledge this and give this attention, especially like I mentioned at this point in time with all the issues going on. And obviously MLK, one of the most influential, influential people in U.S. history, also world history. So on that note, Justin, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.